is uh, take it from Mark chapter 14, and it's going to jump from one section to the other. First for, at uh, verse 27, and then jump to 66. Um, this is the account of the Apostle Peter, and um, we'll develop it in our devotion tonight. But let's read verse 27. Uh, you will fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Now we'll skip to verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, he said again to those, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. And he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. Here ends God's word. Mm, um, you know what? I don't have the flicker, so you're going to have to help me say it all, okay? So it feels funny not to wear a mask, I got to say. Um, Usually, I, I work in a grocery store, and I uh, work all day long on my feet, talking with hundreds of people all day long, customers in my store. And uh, it's good to be without one. I hope more of us can do this soon. Um, Jesus' compassion. Of all of the heart emotions, you would expect to, I mean, look at compassion first, wouldn't you? Right? And if you are talking about God and emotions of the heart, the very first characteristic you would probably talk about is compassion or love. Right? Jesus is, above everything else, love. The, uh, the preachers during Lent have not miss that by any means because Lent is the season of passion or the movie you know is called the passion of Christ right 
So you would expect that we would eventually in this series on the heart focus on compassion. Except at first glance, the Lent story does not seem like it would be very much compassion. I mean, it is a tragedy at first glance, isn't it? Jesus is betrayed by a close companion. He is abandoned by his friends and disciples. He is uh, arrested by his enemies, brutally treated, um, and then tried and executed. He even, as we know, suffers hell on a cross. It's a tragedy at first until we realize and know that all of that was God's plan to rescue the human race, to rescue you and I. And boy, do we need it. You see, we, you really don't understand the compassion of Jesus unless you understand how desperately we need Jesus' compassion and how far we are from that kind of compassion. So it helps me sometimes to think of opposites. So let's wrestle with this tonight. What is the opposite of compassion? You're going to cheat and look at the screen, right? What is the opposite of compassion? I don't care. I don't care anymore. It, you know, it is amazing to me, working in the secular world, how many people don't care. Maybe you've noticed that in school with classmates, right? After a while, they just don't come. These are some of the, I looked online for signs that somebody just doesn't care. Maybe you, you uh, don't use these um, in regard to your boyfriend or girlfriend, but you might notice them, some of them in yourself, right? Repeated tardiness, poor appearance, hygiene, complaining, yikes, excess breaks and bathroom trips. My wife is a preschool teacher. She says she complains about this all the time. Um, a show of busyness, but really not getting much done. All kinds of excuses and a preoccupation with your phone. Oh. Ouch. These are signs of just not really into it, not caring too much. One person, uh, a customer once told me they don't care about anything because then they're never disappointed and they're never hurt. To me, this seems a little like cutting off your finger to prevent a sliver. It's a little extreme but I kind of understand a little bit because I find myself easily slipping into not caring. And I started thinking about so what causes me to not care? Can you give me the next slide, say that? And I came up with three things that cause me to not care. The first one is exhaustion. And I remember being in school especially when you get to uh, college and postgraduate work, it, there is a lot of burning the candle at both ends and a lot of sleepless nights and, and exhaustion comes up. It, I want to tell you when you get out of school, it's all going to go away. Not 
Because in a workplace, it's the same stuff, right? Burning the candle at both ends, lots of overtime and exhaustion. Maybe even sleepless nights worrying about stuff. So that's one. The second one is isolation. And boy, has COVID ramped that up, the isolation. Have you ever noticed that it's a lot easier to be vexed with somebody that you are not dying? It, it, it's always easier to have a conflict on your phone or an email than it is face-to-face, -face. right? It's really hard to, to be mad when you're face-to-face -face with somebody. There is something about isolation that just causes us to detach from relationships, just not to care anymore, no compassion. And then the last one is frustration. Finding yourself in a situation where there is no way you can win. High stress, high expectations. Every teacher and every boss thinks that they're the only ones that are making demands on you. Am I wrong? And when you have a bunch of teachers and everyone thinks they're the only one, that's a no-win situation. Which brings me to the text for tonight and the Apostle Peter. Because Peter has all three of these things going on. First of all, Peter, you right? You know, Peter, he is the, the, the unofficially the lead disciple. He is boisterous and class A personality. He is enthusiastic, courageous, and known to sometimes put his foot in his mouth, which he does in our text. And when the Lord says, this is my last time to Jerusalem because I will be abandoned by my disciples and, and my friends, and I will be arrested, put on trial, executed, and I will rise again. And Peter is horrified. Peter, never, Lord, that is not going to happen. I will not abandon you even if I have to die. And all the other disciples said the same thing, and the Lord said, Peter, Peter, Peter. Before the rooster crows, you will tell people three times that you don't care about me. And so we flash forward to that night on the campfire in the courtyard outside Jesus' trial, and Peter is exhausted. He has been up all night. Jesus asked him to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. They couldn't even stay awake. Jesus kept praying and they kept falling asleep and he kept waking them up and then the whole mob came and all hell broke loose. Swords are flying and arrests are being made and disciples are fleeing in every direction. And so Peter is isolated. His brothers and sisters are all gone. He's alone in that courtyard, and he's scared because he doesn't know what's going to happen to his, his best friend and his master. He's in a no-win situation because he is confronted. He's surrounded by enemies. He's confronted not once, not twice, but three times he is confronted. You are, 
You are with him. You are associated with him. And he is afraid that he will be arrested too. And go through the same garbage that he knows Jesus is going through in the hands of his enemies. So he lies. And he finds himself not caring. And it's easy to get very judgmental about Peter. But you know, under these circumstances, I sometimes slip into not caring as well. And it would be only fair for Jesus to say to Peter, you know what, you don't care about me, I don't care about you. But that isn't how Jesus works. After Jesus rose from the dead, after a, a very personal breakfast with the disciples, Jesus pulls Peter aside and he says, you know what, do you love me? Because I still have work for you, Peter, I love you. Three times, right, for three denials. And he does the same with us. That's compassion. You know, Jesus could say, you know, that Steve guy, sometimes he just doesn't care. He doesn't care about things that are important. And I want to care, but I don't always. Jesus himself said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus could say, you know what? We should just not care about him. But that isn't, I mean, God is perfect justice, but he is also perfect compassion. This is the conundrum of God. How can you be two things at the same time? And Jesus is the solution to that. Because Jesus says, you know that Steve guy that doesn't care sometimes? I love him too much. So here's what we're going to do, Father. When it's time for you justly to reject him, I'm going to step in his place. And you can reject me instead of Steve. That's how much I love him. The Bible says this is how uh, no greater love is there than this, that a man will lay down his life for another. And that's what Jesus did for me and you. Everything about the cross says compassion. Here Jesus is in agony on the cross, humiliated, surrounded by enemies, his friends hiding in the shadows, and he prays, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That's compassion. He's suffering hell itself, which we can't even possibly imagine what is, that is like in my place. And he has the time to look down at his mother and say, John, take care of her, okay? And, and to a repentant thief hanging next to him who's only getting what he deserves and say, you know what? Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. You see, Jesus loves even when we don't love, even when we don't care, because Jesus always cares. Let's pray.
Father, you know how fickle our hearts can be. In one minute we're all in and the next minute we are completely apathetic. We, we don't deserve your compassion or love, but you went the full extent, not just for this scoundrel up on the stage, but for all of them sitting in the chairs tonight and all of them listening online tonight. You paid for them all cannot repay that, but we rejoice and find enormous comfort, Lord, in your sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, Amen. let's pray Luther's evening prayer together as well, right? I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, that you have graciously kept me this day. Forgive me all my sins and graciously keep me this night. Into your hands I commit my soul and all things. Let your holy angels be with me. The wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let's, oh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on each of you always with favor.